Turn to First Peter chapter one. I want to thank everybody for their prayers and and sympathy and just the wonderful words and and things that's been done. And my wife is in heaven watching us. But it's uh, been an unusual thing with me. God has given me peace, and I don't even understand. But I thank God for it. He's all, I've always said, and I've told people all my life since I've been saved, since I learned it myself, that God's grace is sufficient and it'll be there when you need it and not until. And it is true. And I'm experiencing some of it. But I thank God for it. I was telling the man just last night, I called and talked to him at... Uh, he was uh, wanting to know uh, how come I wasn't breaking down. I said, if I do, that's just part of it. Amen. And if I cry, that's just part of it. And I want to experience all of it because experience gives you wisdom. And uh, I thank God for everything that uh, has happened in my life. God has been very good to me. And uh, my family's been real close to me in these last few days and been around me. My church family it is just unbelievable of everything that everybody's done. But this morning I, I just got a blessed right as I've been studying in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. I want to read a little bit and just go along with me if you would please. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bethany, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and it fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried by fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it revealed 
did not unto themselves, but unto us. They did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, now fashion yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with crooked things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained from the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing you have purified your souls under in obeying the truth through the Spirit, under unfighted love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is a flower of grass. The grass witheth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for what these words mean to us especially, and how precious they are as we hide them in, in our hearts and repeat them in our mind over and over, how gracious you are to us. Bless us as we study thy word now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this first uh, chapter of 1 Peter has to do with the suffering and the security of believers. Many people have never had the feeling of assurance in their salvation. I was talking to a man this week uh, that uh, came by the house and uh, he I could tell that he was of a different faith and yet he acted like he didn't he wanted, you ever had somebody talk to you that's sort of setting a trap for you and they was asking you questions that uh, trying to get you to admit something that you know is not true and this man was doing that and I was reading him his scriptures and he said but that's your invitation of the Bible and I said no the Bible says there is no private invitation uh, uh, learning of the Bible. Uh, God's Word is sure, and you can't change it. Amen? And uh, what I want us to see this morning, uh, many people uh, go through this life with the feelings of not having the assurance of their salvation. I had another man ask me, how are you going to do this thing, preacher? I said, because I know some things. 
It's not just that I hope so or maybe so. I know some things because I've learned them from the Bible and they're true. Now, uh, the security of the believer is a doctrine taught all the way through the Bible. And many Christians don't understand the security and sufferings uh, of the believer go together. And that suffering and security produces or brings joy. Notice in verse 1 with me of chapter 1. Now, the name Peter here is in the Greek Petros, and it means a stone. Now, Peter is not the, the rock man as now. He's matured. He's the rock man. The day of Pentecost is behind him. And he knows what it is to take a stand for Christ. He's been arrested, put in jail. He's been threatened by death. And Peter knows what it is he's talking about. Now, it's of little interest to me to listen to preachers or listen to Bible teachers or whatever that talks about uh, all kind of things that they uh, want to teach people but they've had no experience of it themselves. Uh, I'm telling you the truth. I want somebody has experienced those things that they're trying to teach me of. And Peter did that. And I want to hear from those uh, man that's gone through experiences because if you go to the book of Romans, it talks about the wisdom of God and the experience in things is what gives wisdom. Did you know that Solomon, when he prayed to God, he said, Lord, I want one thing from you. I want wisdom. And you know what God said? Okay, I'm going to give you wisdom. And then you follow all the way through every teaching of Solomon, and he experienced everything that a human being could do in this world. Everything. And so experiences gives wisdom. How did I know a certain thing? Because I've experienced it. I've been through it. And so Peter, here now in First Peter, he's talking about he's not, that young, he's not that young Christian anymore. He's a rock. And Peter is apostle of Jesus Christ. And now verse 1. Peter was apostle of Jesus Christ. That's all he ever claimed to be. He never tried to make a name for himself. Yet, if any of the apostles had a right to boast, Peter did. When Paul went to Jerusalem to confer with the apostles, he talked to Peter, James, and John. And there's something we need to note here. Paul never went to Jerusalem to learn the gospel from Peter as the Pope wants to bust to bleed. Uh, Paul makes it clear that he received the gospel directly from Jesus Christ by revelation. Now in verse 1, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bethany. Peter is writing to the strangers or aliens who were scattered throughout all the Roman Empire. They were Jews called the Diaporus because they were no longer in the land of Palestine because of the persecution that had settled throughout the empire. And if you get a map and check where he's talking about, he'll find that that's this place he's talking about here is all in Asia Minor, or the area that we call today Turkey. Now, Paul was the apostle of the Gentile, and Peter 
was an apostle to the Israelites who had turned to Christ. Now verse 2, uh, notice with me, Pete, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, and the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now, some people think of Peter as a poor, dumb, unlearned fisherman. But Peter was a very learned man of the knowledge of God and of the Scriptures. Because in this chapter, Peter talks about things that most never understand. For instance, he presents the doctrine of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I was laughing at a man I was talking about this week. And he said, uh, the Bible says there's one God, and Jesus is God's Son. He's not God, He's God's Son. <clears throat> and I said, you know what, buddy? And, and if you go to First uh, John, you'll find in chapter 3, it says, try the Spirit to see who, what they are of. That does not mean try them on. It means try them out with the Word of God. It means to put them up to the Word of God. And it says right there in that one scripture, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh, you're none of God. And Jesus himself said, I and my Father are one. And you can go, yeah, but all the many scriptures it says Jehovah and says God. And what he was trying to do was, he was trying to separate the Godhead. He was trying to say God over here and Jesus Christ over here and the Holy Spirit over here. You can't do that. The Bible makes it very plain that there's one God, one mediator between God and man, that's the man Christ Jesus. God manifested himself in the flesh in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the one that deals with you and I today. That's one God. And I said, just we're made in the image of God. Uh, You see me as my body. And if you see God at all, you're going to see Jesus because he took a body. But Jesus Christ is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. A lot of people don't ever come to the knowledge of that. They want to separate. They think when you get to heaven, you're going to have holy God in the center, uh, the Son sitting over here in another throne, and the Holy Spirit sitting in another throne. No, he's not. It's one God. And Peter had great knowledge of that. And he, he makes it very plain in First Peter. <clears throat> then he talks about the, the doctrine of sanctification of the Holy Spirit. That is the setting aside of a child of God by the Holy Spirit for God's use. And then he talks about the doctrine of the blood of Jesus Christ. You cannot be saved without the blood. Now, right here in one verse, verse 2, is given the doctrine of the Trinity. Yet the Jehovah's Witness and those and others try to teach there is no Trinity in the Godhead. And here we have God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. Now, then great theologians try to help us understand the tremendous doctrine of election and foreknowledge, but they can't do it. For example... Louis Spur Chafer, Systematic Theology, states it this way, Having recognized the sovereign right of God over his creation, and having assigned to him a rational purpose in all his plan, the truth contained in the doctrine of election 
follows a natural sequence as a necessary function of one who is divine. Uh, I read that and I said, what are you talking about? I mean, all them big words and all those big sentences, and he didn't even understand it himself. Now, what that means is, we must recognize that our God is a sovereign God, and that this little universe is His. God created this universe, amen? It belongs to Him. Now, man does not know why God created this universe as He did. But, since God is absolute and omniscient, omniscient that means all-knowing everything, and since He is omnipotent, having all power, and since He is sovereign, then God can do anything He wants to do that is consistent with His character. Now, that's a very important statement you realize. God can do anything that He wants to in cons- that is consistent with His character. He's not going to go out of His character. Now, God has a right to plan for the future, and He did. In the beginning, before the foundation of earth was ever formed, God planned for the future. Why? Because He knew the future. Now, we call those plans the decrees that God had in His mind in the very beginning. In other words, God had a plan, and He was following, and He is following that plan. Now, I know a lot of people today that's just about losing their mind about everything that's going on in the world. I mean, the world warming and and, the seas rising and all kind of things they're all talking about tonight. Uh, Lately, and we listen to them on the uh, TV, well, you'd have a nightmare if you didn't realize that God is working to a plan. Everything that God is happening in the world right now is according to God's plan. He decreed and planned to create the universe, and He did. Not once did God ask me or anyone else if He could uh, do anything that He did. Think of this. God never asked me whether or not I wanted to be born or to be in existence. God could have left me out altogether. He could have left you out also. But thank God He didn't. I thank God I was born. Amen. I, I think about this all the time. Honest to God, it's, it's, a, it's overwhelming to me that God let me be born. You know why? I get to experience the things of God. I, I, I was reading something in Ecclesiastes, and it was so funny. It says, Better is a live dog than a dead lion. And I read that thing and I said, You know what? That's the truth. I mean, the dead can't do anything for God. Anything dead can't do anything. It's dead. But did you ever thank God for life? He let me live. He let me serve you. I was born. Therefore, I can go to heaven. And I'm going to enjoy all eternity. God has decreed to permit the fall of man. And this took a great deal of planning on the part of God. God, never, God knew when He created the free moral agent called man. And you, you need to understand this. God gave you the right to think. You can decide for yourself. That's free will. Now, man could fall 
when given a choice. God knew that. And mankind chose to disobey God. But God made arrangements for that. God had a decree or plan to elect some to salvation. And God had the decree and plan that He would send a Savior into the world, and that some is the one that received Him as personal Savior. God made a decree and plan that He would save those who come to Him, or He called those the elect. In other words, if you're saved today, you're the elect. If you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not the elect. And it's just that simple. God didn't make you choose. He gave you a right to choose. Those are the people who turn to Christ as Savior are the elect. Now, some want to say God didn't choose everybody. But you can't say that because John 3.16 For God so loved the world. Amen? Now, when you find in the verses like John 6 verse 37 All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. So God's not going to cast anybody out that will come to him. But I want you to notice the verse again in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, and I will not cast you out, in other words. God's invitation is, whosoever will is, and they will come unto him. Now, it is an invitation to everyone. But there must be a response. And the response is your responsibility and mine. Now look at verse 2 again. In verse 2 said, Peter gets into deep water when he says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Now this simply means God is moving according to His plan. Little man is in no position to challenge God's choice. God is the Creator and we're only His creatures. We didn't even determine the time we would be born. Or what family we would be born into. Or our height, or our color, or our eyes, or our IQ. Or whatever we are today is by the grace of God. God is the one who determines all these things for us. They're all a part of God's plan. God, and I thank God for this, the God of the universe has a plan. And I thank God He knows what He is doing and where He is going, and He is doing the very best for us. God knows everything. God knows our condition. God knows everything that is foreseeable and unforeseeable. So you and I can trust Him completely. Now, the joy of suffering, the joy of going through life because of sin... The Bible says it brings great joy to our heart when we realize, God, you're in control. Amen. It's not the doctors and the lawyers and the president and the government and everything else in the world. God's in control. And ain't one thing you can do about it. Brother, when God decrees something, it's going to take place. Amen. And you ain't going to change his mind because God cannot change his mind. When God says something, He wouldn't be God if He could change His mind. I laughed at a man one day. I was talking to him about God dying for my sins in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only God could pay for my sins. And he said to me, You trying to tell me that you worship a dead God? I said, No, sir. 
what I'm trying to tell you is that God took on a body because you can't kill God. But He can tell you, He can a human body. And that's the reason He took on the human body of Christ Jesus. For He could die in the human body for my sins. Amen? Now, you can't, the world don't understand that. They, they're confused by that. But I thank God that where the joy comes in to any Christian that, that understands these things, you relax in the Lord. And, and, P, uh, and Paul said, I want to be content in whatever state I am. If I'm in prison, it's got to be in the plan of God. If I'm beat by the cat of nine tails, it's got to be in the plan of God. But in the end, I'm going to be all right. In the end. I love the story that Paul, uh, the angel come to Paul when he was in the ship and told him, whatever you do, don't get out of the boat. Stay in the boat. Because if you don't, all will perish. And when there was in the storm, God, think about this, God sent him in that boat and God knew that the boat was going to sink. He knew it was going to be torn apart. But if you study before that incident, you'll find, Paul, I'm sending you to Rome and you must go to Rome. Now wait a minute. If God told him over here that he's going to Rome over here and the storm in the middle, he can't die. Amen? He can't suffer. He can't go through it. Why? Because God's already said he's going to Rome. And guess what? He did go to Rome. Amen? And when you read that little story and understand that God's in control, but does that mean I'm not going to suffer? No. Does that mean I'm not going to have hard times? No. But the joy of the Lord is that the end result is I'm going to be all right. Amen. I don't care what. We're going to be all right. That's the joy of it. And I love that chapter. Father, bless the teaching of thy word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.